Hey, welcome back to the Worldview Minute. I'm Pastor Levi, Secret of Christ Bible Church. We're about to begin a series of episodes that's really going to have uh, probably 12-ish, depending on how we get into it, uh, episodes looking at a biblical, a Christian view of government in the state. And now this is always hard to talk about because some Christians like to say we shouldn't concern ourselves with this. Uh, politics isn't important or the church should have nothing to do with that. Christianity should have nothing to do with that. But we should note that this has really been the minority view in church history. It's only really recent that the church has pulled back from this arena of life. And I hope to show you throughout this, the Bible actually has a lot to say about politics, governing philosophies, human rights, all of these things. And these things built the foundation of what we now call classical liberalism, which has found, I think, its pinnacle in the American expression of government. Does that mean the American expression of government is perfect? Of course not. Uh, there are some things I think um, we should have strengthened that the founders didn't, and that's why they enabled, for example, amendments to the Constitution. And so as we begin this journey, I do want to note that these are going to build on each other. These are important, and we are going to offer, I think, a robust theological philosophy of the state, of government, how Christians should think about it, how then we should act out and live within it, within our unique context of American constitutionalism, our republicanism. And we have to begin where we always begin with the Christian worldview. If we want to understand what the Bible teaches about this, we have to begin with creation. Creation establishes the norms for us. It establishes how God has designed the world. And so I'm going to zoom in here. We're going to read a passage that's very familiar here of the creation mandate, the cultural mandate, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And we're going to use this, and we're really kind of looking at at um, the first 11-ish chapters here of Genesis to understand how should we think about the state. And so let, let me read it to you here. The word of the Lord reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is God on the sixth day of creation, um, creates man. Man is the pinnacle of creation because he bears the image of God. And as we've talked, we've talked about in earlier episodes, man is God's vice regent. Right? He rules underneath God. God has given him dominion over all the creatures of the earth. He has given him dominion to bring um, control or not, to subdue the earth and rule over it in his stead. This is not a blank check for man to do whatever he wants, but he's supposed to do it as a representative of God. No other creature bears this image of God. And so we have here what is called the cultural mandate, and it establishes for us the role of man. Man is to be in relationship with God. Man is to represent God. Man is to rule over the earth with God over him. And we should note several important things here because sometimes as we as we think about as we think about creation, when we think about government, Christians argue over, especially over the debates of Christian nationalism, is government a pre-fall or a post-fall reality? And they ask that question because if government is only a post-fall reality, then it's not necessarily an inherent good. Now, I think there are strong arguments to be made on both sides of the equation. Uh, we don't really find government mentioned in any meaningful way until we get to the Tower of Babel, Genesis 
10, and 11. The, the nations really aren't formed until after the flood. And then you have this one world government that is really trying to be established here at Babel. And this is in a mimic and a mockery of God's one world rule. And so God scatters the nations. He confuses them. And so we, we have established at the very beginning of the book of Genesis here in the first 11 chapters that this one world tendency of rule is a form of idolatry. It's wrong. It is something that we should reject as Christians. Christians always want to be dividing up power into smaller and smaller units because we understand man in a post-fall reality. And so there's there's really a strong case to be made that the government is a post-fall reality. If you look at Romans chapter 11, the main ministry of the state is to wield the sword, to punish evildoers, to be God's avenger, his, his executor of wrath in this age upon sinners. That's obviously a post-fall reality, not a pre-fall reality. But yet, you also have in, in 1, 26 through 28, this cultural mandate to go and build and subdue and rule over. And that broad umbrella of culture, we call it the cultural mandate to build culture, in some ways would probably uh, include the state. Include some governing structure, but that wouldn't necessarily be to wield the sword and punish evildoers because there is no sin here. So we could, we could really go either way on that. But we, I should note, as we, as we get into this, as we, we draw out at creation, one of the first things we should note from this is that God created everything. That means God rules over everything. This includes the state. Every Christian has to acknowledge this. God has authority over everything in creation, including the state. Right? God owns everything. God is the king. Man is created as God's vice regent to rule underneath the one true king who is God. This is the beginning of our political philosophy. If there is no God above the state, the state always becomes God. We worship it, we belong to it, and we look to it for salvation. But the Christian beginning in Genesis 1 that God created everything out of nothing says no, there's a higher authority even over the state, even that kings are accountable to, and states and democracies and presidents and senators and governors. Everyone is accountable to him because God creates everything, God sustains everything, and God rules over everything. And so we have an authority above the state, and we don't ultimately therefore belong to the state, but we belong to God. So we start with God creates everything, therefore there is an authority higher than the state. And we're going to work this out in some later episodes too, and it's God who grants authority uh, to the state. And uh, we also then see here that man is all created equal in God's image. When that first term here is, so God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created a male and female. He created a man there really means mankind, humanity. Humanity is created in the image of God. God made us in our image. That gives us a unique value and worth and dignity and rights, horizontal rights between one another. You will notice that God gives dominion to humanity over the earth and over the creatures of the land and the sea and the air but he does not give man dominion over man. And we shouldn't miss this. God, God created man in a state of political liberty. This is where we say that you have a God-given right to political liberty. That doesn't mean that you're, we're talking about anarchy and there is no state because God will establish the state as his minister uh, later on in this equation, but that primarily at the beginning, the design, the norm, was that there was the authority of God as king over everything. And man as his vice regent exercising his rule. And this is set up in the model of Israel very on, or very early on. 
Israel was not to have a king, but they wanted a king like the nations. God was to be their king. And when they ask for a king, uh, God tells Samuel, don't, don't fret. It's not you they've rejected. It's me. They rejected me as their king. This is what Adam and Eve do in the garden as well. They've rejected God as their king. And so now they will be ruled by a lesser, lesser governments as, as an impact of that. So man was created equal in his image. This means we have certain unalienable rights. Why are they unalienable? Because they are endowed to us by our creator, by our God. They don't come from the state. They come from God. And the state is under God's authority. God is not under the state's authority. We belong to God. Uh, we don't belong to whatever country uh, we may live in. We may have obligations to our country, and we do. And ultimately, we are God's possessions and not, um, not the state's. And so what we have here at the very beginning is an establishment that God is over the state. God created everything. He rules over everything. He has the right to tell kings what to do. This will be a consistent theme throughout scripture. He created man equal in his own image with certain rights. These rights, as we'll unpack, include life, liberty, and I believe a property as God forbids certain actions. And this human equality is then becomes the ethical foundation for so much of biblical ethics, both in the Bible and as we bring it uh, from, the, from the text into theology and application. In Genesis 9, 6, God forbids murder and justifies the death penalty. And he says why he points back to Genesis 1, 27, because man is made in his own image. Jesus in Matthew 19, when he's setting up his ethical foundation for his teaching on divorce, he says, have you not read that from the beginning he created them male and female? And then he points to chapter two and what God has brought together, let no man separate. You understand that the creational norms become the norms of what is right and wrong because creation reflects the character and the nature of our God. And so what we have here, okay, God created everything. God is over everything. God has created man with rights. God has created man, created man to ultimately belong to him in a state of political liberty. That we all bear God's image, and therefore we now have a foundation set to talk about, um, to talk about certain things. So in the next episode, we're going to unpack a little bit more of what are human rights and why they are a distinctively Christian idea. I encourage you to join us as we unpack a Christian understanding of the state. This is desperately needed today, that Christians begin to think politically and about the state in distinctively Christian ways. So like, comment, and share as we apply the Lordship of Jesus Christ one minute at a time.